0: This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief.
1: Welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm your host, Drew Dixon. I am the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd. Humans of Gaming is one of three podcasts currently in the Love Thy Nerd podcast network, and uh, I'm joined as almost always by Chris Goldney. Hey, Chris.
0: Hey. Uh, how would you are are we the best podcast in the network? We're the second best, probably. <laughs> well,
1: pro, yeah. If we say second best, then just say would,
0: second we, best, and we won't we won't put them in any order. Yeah, that way we're not hurting any feelings. Sound
1: like humble, but also like we're not the worst. At least,
0: hey, strive for mediocrity, and you rarely let people down.
1: What do you do at Love My Nerd, Chris?
0: Oh, I'm the chief executive nerd, so I I don't know what I do.
1: That's basically a meaningless title. Yep. All our titles are basically meaningless. They just like we just try to make them sound funny and slash important. Yep. So that's, that's it. That's what we do. No, Chris uh, keeps us all online. He uh, manages a lot of things with Love Thy Nerd. Keeps it keeps us all going, which so I really appreciate, Chris. Um, and I manage all of our site content, including these podcasts that we do. I kind of oversee them. Um, I don't have a lot to do with the other podcasts other than just making sure they're still going and stuff. But uh, but yeah, mostly the website content. So that's what, who we are. Uh, we have a special guest today, um, and that is... Rachel Coert. Hey, Rachel. How are you?
2: I am great. How are you doing?
1: I almost called you Doctor Coert, and then I thought wh- I didn't. We didn't have that conversation of like what you like to be called.
2: <laughs> uh, either way is fine.
0: Rachy, Rach. How's Rachy, Rach? <laughs> um,
2: we can go. I mean, I feel like we know each other enough for that. So All
0: right. <laughs> I went for. I shot for the moon on that one, and that worked out. It worked out.
1: I just never know with like people who who have higher degrees than I do. It's like you know because you work so hard for that degree. Like I think if I was in that position, I would want everybody to call me Doctor Dixon well, at least for a, at least for a while. But then my thought is also maybe it that wears off. A, yeah, after a while, you'd be like, well, you know, I've been a doctor for long enough now that you can call me Drew.
2: But maybe it, it doesn't wear off. It doesn't wear off. <laughs> it doesn't wear off. So you've got that degree, like man, I earned that. You're gonna yeah. call me. Dr. Co-work. yeah yeah <laughs>
0: i had a on honors english teacher in high school and, and keep in mind like i grew up in this kind of small town in anderson indiana i mean it's not small but it's nobody knows this town really and she had a doctorate and she demanded that people call her doctor and if you slipped up she would write you up and send you to the office
2: okay well that might be a bit much yeah, I think I thought, it seems <laughs> fair,
0: at least for a while, like, especially
1: if she just got the degree, like
0: she was about a hundred years old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is, okay. It is a little extreme. Yeah. Um. So Dr. Coher, you wrote some great books about gaming Um, that we want to talk about. And that's part of why we had you on. You have a book that I've read called A Parent's Guide to Video Games that I've read cover to cover and used, in, in fact, in talks that I've done cited you. I didn't pretend it was mine. I cited you. Um, (laughs) um, And some some talks I've done on parenting and and video games and interactive media, um, which is really great. And then you also, I think, co-edited the video game debate. Is that what it's called?
2: I did, yes.
1: So yeah, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and the work that you do.
2: Yeah, so I'm a research psychologist. Um, I have a PhD in psychology from the University of York, and I also have a master's in counseling psychology uh, from Santa Clara University. I have been studying video games and video game effects for a little over 10 years, uh, specifically focused on media effects, which maybe uh, comes through with the books (laughs) that I write. You Which about, is yeah. like
1: basically 10 years is basically as long as we've been studying them. I think there was a good chunk of years when video games were around where nobody was really thinking about them very much. So yeah. you've been doing this, you know, from almost kind of from the
0: ground up, right? You're a veteran.
2: Yes. you know, I, I got there really when it started, when I decided to study this um, as a research career, there was about two or three papers in the entire field oh, of kids wow. studies. And now there's hmm. hundreds thousands. Um, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. What was that like, like kind of being one of the first people to get in on this? Was that exciting to you?
2: It was very exciting. You know, my interest in it, because I have my master's in counseling psychology, I was seeing clients who at that point, this was like 2008. So this was the height of World of Warcraft. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I know I played a lot too.
1: (laughs) Which is why why people started studying.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Was a push because parents were like, this game, what is it? They're playing it. And there was nobody knew anything about the effect of it.
1: And so, uh, so yeah, what were some of the first like studies that you did on, uh, on video, on, on video games and playing video games?
2: Um, and One of the first ones I did was about uh, the stereotypes of gamers. My supervisor for my PhD, his work heavily weighed in stereotypes and the way we perceive groups of people. And that was really interesting because, again, it was at the beginning when online gaming was really becoming like a thing. And if you look at the way that they're perceived, people who play online games are viewed completely different from people who play like Mario Kart or people yeah. who play Dungeons and dragons um, in the sense that they're viewed way more negatively. If you, World World of Warcraft player is completely different from, you know, any other kind of gamer. So that was really interesting. And then from there, I spawned off into um, looking at the effects that games are having since they are viewed as being so much more antisocial and so much more inept in like every way. It's like, okay, well is the game are the games doing this or is there something just unique about this subgroup of individuals?
1: Yeah. So what's the so the big differences between people who like people who play Mario Kart and Mario Mm -hmm. and those who play online games are primarily perceived like the like the people who play ongoing games, what are some of the common stereotypes? you saw?
2: Um, Socially inept, uh, overweight. Um, And most of the differences between them really lied in the area of being social. They don't have any friends. They don't want any friends. They can't communicate properly to make friends. So they play games online to make, you know, quote on air quotes, fake friends. And Mm. that's kind of um, where they spend their time and why they're spending so much time online. And then, of course, you know, the classic overweight, aggressive male, yeah. you know, lives in a basement, that sort of and thing. And you were
1: actually, like, playing World of Warcraft when you did this.
2: I played tons of World <laughs> of
1: Warcraft, Still?
2: more than I should admit. No, not, now I got kids, I have no time. Uh, yeah. But no, back then, hours and hours and hours. So what, yeah, it was fun. Uh,
0: what were your, exp- I mean, did you play uh, every expansion? Were you more active in some of the other ones? I can geek out uh, a little bit here with you, Rachy Rach.
2: Okay. Um, <laughs> a Lich King is when I started Endgame reading. Okay. Uh, and then after that, I kind of dropped off because after that, I started my PhD. And then, yep. and no, it's like having a baby. Your PhD is your first baby yep. in my case, and yeah, no more time. Yeah, I hear you.
0: Yeah, I play. So, like I kind of go in these cycles with WoW, where it's like, you know, I sub for a month or two and just go off the deep end. And then quit for a couple of years, <laughs> and then do it again. Yeah, so it's, it's like e- straight up relapsing.
2: <laughs> it's easy to go off in that game. But last time I logged in, it was like three years ago, and I was just confused. I was like, I yeah. don't know what I'm I doing.
1: Played... It changed so much.
0: Yeah. What was the last one? Mm-hmm. Legion was that the one? That was a recent one, right? Expansion. Isn't... Legion
1: is Legion, not the new one. What's the new
0: one? Well, it was a couple of years ago. Two or th- well, maybe there's like three one that
1: ago. just came out this year.
0: No, it's not that one. Yeah. I played when that, the one before this first came out. That was the last time I played. But People who are I really just, into World yeah. of
1: Warcraft are upset by this conversation. Dude, uh,
0: the MMO, <laughs> I just can't do that MMO life anymore. It's like, it is all consuming. It is. It and you is. miss out. Like I, you know, even Destiny, like MMO light Destiny is still like, you don't play anything else and you miss out on so many good things. I can't do it to myself anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: You quit playing Destiny, Chris? Yeah. I don't mind. play it
0: anymore. I know. Big deal.
1: Uh, well, uh, I, w- so you did this study on World of Warcraft while you were playing it. Um, <laughs> and I bet to a lot of people they were like, well, why we can't trust you now? Because <laughs> you did study while
0: you were doing I would almost it. think the opposite. Like, you know.
2: Well, in the beginning, it was actually quite good because there weren't many people studying it, and I had mm. I had developed such a community um, from all my thousands of <laughs> hours of playing it um, that that worked in my favor. But as time went on, um, I found that people who played MMOs started to get a little more animosity because then every you know person was trying to get in there and do research on mm. MMOs and video games, and they were over it, but. In the beginning, it was more fresh and new, and they were like, okay, I'll talk to you. Not so much anymore.
1: Yeah. So some of these stereotypes, like which of the stereotypes are true and which are not with with (laughs) online games? Okay. are they all kind of, are they all off?
2: They're all off. I mean, all stereotypes have a grain of truth, which is why they stick. So it's like. Okay, online gamers are perceived as antisocial. Well, why are they perceived that way? Because the way we see them is they're in front of a computer with headphones on, but no one else is around them. But we know from research and from anyone who's played any online game ever that it's not an antisocial activity, right? Right. You're connecting hundreds and thousands of other people. But the way it's perceived from the outside, from people who don't do it, it's like, oh, they're just on their computer alone in their room all night. So in some sense, I mean... All the aspects of the stereotype are true, and then they're also all untrue.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Nuance. Super <laughs> Yeah, nuance is not something we accept well mm-hmm. in our culture these days. I think yes.
2: it's the way of science, though, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah, that's true. Way Very way true. Of life. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you did that study, and then share so sure about some of the other like meaningful studies and things you've done in in this space.
2: Yeah. So my PhD evolved into looking specifically at the social impact of online games. So how playing online games, not just World of Warcraft, although, again, at that point, the majority of online gaming did seem to be World of Warcraft, um, how it impacts our ability um, to socialize in terms of our social skills. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of talk about Online skills and offline skills, right? You play online games, and you get leadership skills, and then you bring them into the offline world, or that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So I was looking at, okay, if we play online games, are we learning new social skills? Are we losing traditional social skills? In some way over time, is it changing our abilities? And that sounds really grand, but the answer is, meh, (laughs) not really. (laughs) Um, You know, there were some relationships which could be whittled down in the too long, didn't read version of some people who play games are shy. Um, The skills associated with like initiating conversation tend to be lower among people who play online games than people who play offline games or don't play at all. But other than that, meh all kind of the same and <laughs> then don't really see any impact in terms of abilities. Now, if you look at the yeah. other research in the field in terms of your friendship networks and things like that, or how close you feel to your friends, those things do tend to be associated um, a mm-hmm. little bit more. But at least we know at the end of the day, our ability to communicate when we're not online does not seem to be impacted.
0: So then raid leaders should not put it on their resumes.
2: Well, see, that's the other thing, though, because raid leaders, what they're using on their resume isn't their social skills, but their ability to mobilize and motivate groups of people, which there is quite a bit of research to show that that does translate really well. So raid leaders, you can keep that, but, cool. <laughs> but twist it towards leadership skills, not so much social skills.
1: So the lesson that you took from this is kind of like, well, people are people. <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're diverse and some of
2: them have issues with communication and social wow. skills and some of them don't drew just
0: summed up like a decade of your work
2: you in... know how many like nervous breakdowns i had writing my thesis and you just like eh, <laughs> uh, wow
0: drew. well hey Rachie, it's great girl. having you we'll see you later
2: <laughs> yeah um well, I, I think
1: it's like a, a sort of a joke when i said it but um but I actually think there's something there that's, like, really valuable uh, just in the sense of doing the research because you break down a lot of these assumptions that we have, mm-hmm. which is really helpful um, if people will listen, you know, to to realizing that their assumptions are kind of, like, messed up. And these things are not as scary as we thought they were.
2: Right. Right. And that is true. and. You know, video games take a lot of flack for a lot of things. And it's important to just realize that they're just the latest in the long list of media to take flack for all the things, right? It was yeah. comic books, and movies, and television, and rock and roll, and blah, blah, blah. Now it's video games. And at the end of the day, honestly, at the end of the day, if you look at the wealth of the, of the research in all areas of game studies, in leadership, in cognitive thinking, in aggression, in anything, it's far more positive, the effects, the negative. And at the very least, it's neutral. Okay, but we still have this idea that it's this horrible thing that's ruining your your life. But it's not. It's it's media. The effects are almost zero if you look at it statistically, over Mm -hmm. you know all the people who consume it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think. See, I imagine though, like some parents. Actually, sadly, there's probably not a lot of parents that listen to this that that don't already like that don't already play video games not Mm -hmm. yet there are more but but i can imagine some parent hearing this actually some parents will listen to this because i'll mention it when we put when we post it and they'll 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 tune in so but i can imagine someone listening to this going like but 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 and having like 100 questions yeah why like um why they are concerned and why they think why they think the impact of media specifically video games is much more concerning than what you just said.
2: (laughs) Well, and there is reason for that. And I, I, parents, I understand. I really do. It's because video games are interactive and I feel like that's the heart of all the arguments. So like, okay, Mm. rock and roll and Elvis might've ruined a generation, but you weren't like actively walking around a fake immersive world shooting people when you were, you know, whatever. That's what video games are to the parents um, of teenagers. Mm. (laughs) So, I understand your concern. Absolutely. But I'm very much, and I can see where the concern comes from because from standing again, from the outside in, that seems like an obvious connection that someone would make. But if you look at the science and parents, really thousands, thousands of studies from some of the greatest schools all over the world. There are game studies centers all over the world, and they're they're not finding it. They're not finding these relationships. They're not finding anything to support it. When we see these headlines about video games and aggression, which we can get into later, um, again, these are short-term, immediately after, in a laboratory setting kind of thing. We're not finding any sort of long-term effect in any sort of negative possible box that you could study with aggression or social or even physical outcomes with obesity, those links even we're not seeing Mm -hmm. being any more, any stronger than you would see with the use of anything else. So I get it. I get it.
0: I'm super excited to share this podcast with our parents. I just have so many like parents in my church or my just local community that are, you know, I mean, Fortnite, like that's the buzzword. I feel yeah. like we should just put f- Fortnite in the title of everything that we do. <laughs> 50% more engagement. Yeah. But, um, hey, so, you know, we're probably gonna be talking about this parenting thing a lot with you. But I did want to take a minute to um, share one of our listener questions. So we have a group of people that, you know, support us every month generously. Uh, they love what we do. They love uh, love love thy nerd I guess that makes sense <laughs> and um, one of the ways that we try to give back is to uh, give them the opportunity to ask our guests questions you know we have some cool people on here like Rachel and <laughs> so we want to give the opportunity to ask some questions so this actually comes from Jonathan Claussen who actually produces this podcast so I don't know if that's a conflict of interest or not <laughs> but um, here cool. we go so he actually wrote out a little fun <laughs> like scenario. This is typical Clausen, but here we go. So for the parent who says, oh, I don't understand how all this video game stuff works, and you can really tell it's because they don't consider themselves tech savvy, mm-hmm. how would you approach them or what materials would you direct them to make them feel more comfortable becoming engaged with their children?
2: That's a good question. Uh, it's a question that a, a lot of people have. If you didn't grow up playing video games and you know have children, I can see being at a bit of a loss when you see Fortnite. We're talking about Fortnite. Um, mm-hmm. My number one piece of advice for parents who want to know more about it but don't necessarily, you know, want to play it is to... Spend time with your children when they are playing games. Now, I would recommend trying to play, you know, even if you are terrible at it. (laughs) It gives you firsthand experience as to what it is they're playing. Because there's no Mm. better way of gathering information than doing it yourself. If my mom asked me, what do you do in World of Warcraft? I don't think that I could explain accurately what it is I do. But if she sat down and, you know, ran around with me and died a 100 times, she would get you know, the impression of what it is I'm doing. There's no substitute for firsthand experience. So be present with your kids. Even if you just walk in while they're playing and say, hey, you know, can I watch what you're doing? Oh, why do you like this game? Oh, this, that, and the other thing. You mm-hmm. will learn so much about what your kids like and what they're playing.
0: Way um, more than you bargained for. Possibly
2: I bet. more than it depends <laughs> on what they're playing. <laughs> at your own risk, parents. This yeah. is at your own risk. Um, and I'll
1: potentially feel cared for. If oh man, that you, speaks like, Just ask some to questions, kids. like yeah. like genuinely curious questions, not just like why do you like this game that's so stupid.
0: Don't <laughs> <No,
2: exactly. No laughs> do it that way. Uh, when I was a kid, I played. Uh, Mario, you know, old Nintendo, and I remember my mom coming to play with us, and I remember it still. She died on the first enemy on the first level, the first yep. world, Oh, freaking Goomba, level. man. But you know, I remember her coming to play, and it did mean a lot to me. My dad would never play, he'd say, Oh, you're wasting your time on these no. video. Um, so yeah. It means a lot, even if you don't want to try. I understand some people don't, but just standing in the room and looking at it and watching and and talking with your kids um, is a good way to, to for you to feel more comfortable and yeah, to show interest in what your kids are doing. Um, in terms of resources, you know, there's a book. There's a book for that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's a great. It's great too.
2: I wrote it. Um, I wrote it for that exact purpose because we have. All this information kind of locked up in the ivory tower, so to say, of game studies academia. And I literally was just tired of waiting for the information to get out. I was getting questions from parents. I was happily answering them. But it's like, why do parents still not have this information that we've had for at least 10 years? So that's what the book is for.
0: That's such a good point because I am like... I don't know if underwhelmed is the word or shocked Mm -hmm. at the lack of like, I mean, just as you said, there's that stuff that's kind of up there in the ivory tower, but for your, you know, average quote parent, Mm -hmm. like what, what is there for them? And as big as the industry is, it is so big like Mm -hmm. that. We don't have more for parents You know, so Lawson, the guy that, you know, edits this and we asked that question, he's a, he's a manager at a GameStop. And I mean, he just has these horror stories of, of parents coming in that are just clueless and whether that's their fault or not, it's just the reality. And man, I'm just really glad that there are people like you and that we have books like that and some resources at least that we can point parents to because it's super, super needed.
2: It really is. It really is, and I don't know why there isn't. I don't know why there isn't more, really. Like I just wrote it out of frustration. I had no time. I just had my daughter, and I was like, "But you know what? This Mm -hmm. written like someone needs to have this information." (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, that's so like like we you mentioned this earlier, but there's so many um, misleading headlines Mm -hmm. that come out and miss like. I don't want to get political or whatever, but our president, like after the um, the shooting in uh, Florida, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, "Oh, we need to get to the bottom of this video game violence stuff." Mm-hmm. You know, like without even really like yeah. looking at any research, obviously, you know, or, or yeah, it just kind of spews it does. out. Yeah. Um. And and so I think for a lot of parents, like it's just it's real. They feel like it's they see those headlines. And they don't they feel like they don't have the time to really look into it that carefully yeah. themselves. and so it's just the easy thing is just to you know set your anxiety level and not your too higher and get worried yeah. about it.
2: Yeah, um, it's really unfortunate.
1: yeah, but like I'll, just to give our readers an example of what you cover in the book, here's from the table of contents chapters on addiction um, in Dr. Cowart's book, Addiction, Aggression, and Violent Crime. There's a chapter on cognitive development. There's one on physical and mental health, one on social outcomes, one on sexism and misogyny. So addiction, violence, um, sexism and misogyny, those are all like the concerns I have, <laughs> like as a parent, um, nice. about my kids engaging with this medium. Um, and so, and the cool thing about it too, is that it's a hundred pages. So, yeah. and, and like in those hundred pages, there's graphics, there's a bunch of pull quotes it's really visually nice to look at and and the none of the pages are very long, and there's tons mm-hmm. of like great statistics that're easy easy to to digest, so all that to say, like I think you did a great job of taking this thing that feels like complex to a lot of people and and unapproachable, and just like, I don't know how to get to the bottom of this whole video game thing and made it really easy for parents like you could sit down and read this in an afternoon or less
2: oh, and, thank you
1: and step away you know, with, with a lot better, uh, with, with a lot better bearings on this issue and feeling like, okay, I, I know how to help my kids with this. Mm-hmm. And I know how to, I know, I know what not to be scared of, which is like mm-hmm. really important in this day and age is to, to, you know, knock down some of those walls of things that we, we we're, we're worried about, um, and have our anxiety be a little bit more manageable.
2: Yeah. And I think it's important too, that I, I didn't want to create a book that just had information, but also had actual practical advice at what yeah, this information yeah. actually means like for parents and for their children.
0: Dude, yeah, parents are strung out. I'm not a parent <laughs> yet, but like, I just, I mean, you guys can speak to this, I'm sure, but especially parents with like younger kids, you know, preteen, that kind of age, mm-hmm. like they just can't handle a three hundred page dissertation or whatever, like, right? You give them a hundred page picture book,
2: right? They yep. no
0: picture books. They got kids. So That's right. It makes sense.
2: <laughs> Pictures are key. Jim did a yeah. great. Job. And I, I should also note, as an academic, writing in brief is very hard. I oh, worked sure. very hard <laughs> to be not long winded. Good on you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I bet that was harder than it would have been to write like a 300 page thing about the same subject because
2: yes. <laughs>
1: yeah, it. so, yeah. it's hard. I know it. I'm a writer too. So I know it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well I want to talk about like the two big issues I think that I've, I, and maybe, maybe we have time to talk about sexism and misogyny too, but, uh, but I think like with parents, especially the things that they're worried about nowadays are addiction number one and then violence number two maybe just violence because it kind of came back up like we mentioned earlier this year um, just because you know our president got on Twitter uh, but, yeah. but, but but it's still something it's still something parents worry about you know um, I still get questions about it so um, may um, let's start with addiction. We talked about this over email but you know a few months ago the World Health Organization came out and decided to include gaming disorder in their... International Classification of Diseases, the 11th edition that's coming out soon, I believe. Um, Well, you you know more about this. Frame this for us than for our our listeners, I guess.
2: Um, The World Health Organization uh, made a move in their new, they have a diagnostic manual. It's similar to the one that psychologists use. We use the DSM, which is produced by the APA, at least in America. Um, But this is like an international version. And they added gaming disorder as a list of... Um, diagnosable, official uh, mental disorders. And this was kind of groundbreaking because they are the first organization to do so. Currently, the American Psychological Association, who I mentioned produces the DSM, which is what the psychiatrists and the psychologists in North America use, um, have internet gaming disorder as something listed in the back as a topic that requires further research. They are not committed... Hmm. Either way, as maybe it is a disorder, maybe it's not, and they're specifying it to internet gaming, um, whereas the WHO just said, "Okay, here's gaming disorder. This is a thing. We're going to recognize it now, um, and here are the criteria." And it's caused a lot of it's caused a lot of waves in the field. I would yeah. say,
1: yeah, I noticed that too. I'd, I've seen some people that were pretty like. There's some papers I think that came out. One I think I saw that like thirty research psychologists uh, Mm -hmm. contributed to that said they disagreed with uh, this uh, classification. What did you think about the decision?
2: Um, I lean on the side of those 30 psychologists. Those are all (laughs) some of my uh, colleagues, well-respected colleagues. I didn't like the decision because again, I don't think there is enough research to indicate that it is something distinctive enough To merit its own classification. If you look at um, research that's been done on people who use games pathologically, I'm not saying that doesn't exist. Surely there Mm. are people who use games in a way that hinders all aspects of their lives, which is kind of the general idea behind an addiction. It's causing them distress in, you know, occupationally, socially, physically, what have you. But if you look at this small subset, and it is a very small subset, some say as small as 0.8% of all of the, mm-hmm. of the gamers, um, it te- the gaming tends to be an outlet for something else underlying, depression, anxiety, PTSD, whatever it might be, another kind of mental um disorder that's driving it. And the games are just the outlet. It's not the use right. of the media itself that is then causing other forms of distress. Yeah.
1: So that's important because I think some people hear like because this is how this is how it works. Like people here that listen to this podcast are like, oh she plays World of Warcraft. So like she's a gamer, therefore she's going to defend this medium um you know what I mean? And like, it would discredit some of the things that you're saying, but I think that's stupid, but I think I just know how people (laughs) think. Um, But what I think is really helpful about what you just said is that um, what you're, what you're concerned about is you want people to get the right kind of help. Like you're not saying video games aren't a problem in some people's lives or that nobody has an unhealthy relationship with them. What you're saying is, is that if we, if we assume that it's the games without realizing that more often than not it's some other underlying issue, then people don't get the yeah. right kind of help.
2: Exactly. And to those naysaying parents, I actually went into this work thinking I would find negative outcomes. There were so many parents coming to me saying, "My child is now X," or "My child is now Y," and I just I follow the numbers. I've, I really don't have a, you know an investment either way. If the number said it it was terrible, I would be telling you that but um the numbers don't lie and yeah and they're not going to get the treatment that they need if they're showing pathological behavior and now we're yep. pathologizing what could be considered normal behavior so when i was a child when i got that new ninja turtles arcade game i don't know how old you guys are am i yeah. like oh, i
1: remember it. No, that I you're a, yep. you're right in i remember that that we're was a uh, sweet
2: spot yep that was Chris.
1: elementary school for me yeah so.
2: Yes. Best Christmas ever. My brother and I played that for hours and hours and hours on Christmas break. Now we went back to school. Everything was fine. You know, we got good grades. We were functioning adults. But now if you see that a parent comes in and says, oh, well, they're playing, you know, 10 hours a day or they're not sleeping. Well, did they get a new game? Yeah. Well, is it Christmas break? Yeah. Okay. Was well, that really a problem? I don't know. But if you now, if you look at this criteria about addiction, you'll say, oh, but he's not calling his friends or he's not sleeping properly. And it's like, okay, hold the phone. It's not a problem yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 which is, yeah, that's, that's really, and and I think something you said a minute ago, too, is really helpful. Like, I think there's this cultural perception that it's a huge problem, just because we all know. We know at least one horror story, where yeah. we know, yeah, <laughs> we know somebody who we suspect is, but just because they're awkward or something, we're like that person must have an issue. Um, but in reality, it's like point eight percent of right, of, you know, somewhere in there, point eight percent of of all gamers who would be clinically classified as addicted,
2: right? And I think, I mean, if you want to, if you are concerned, if you know someone who you think might. Have a pathological uh, relationship with games. I think the really the one important tidbit to remember is once it starts causing problems in every aspect of their life, every aspect over a long period of time. I think the WHO said six months or more. Mm-hmm. That's when you might start to think, okay, maybe this is a problem that's playing out its way through playing games. Maybe they have anxiety. And, you know, it might not necessarily be bad because um, Fritz called games emotional self-medication. So people who maybe are socially anxious, maybe they're using these games as a way to overcome that anxiety. So Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily pathological if they're playing just a lot. It has to be like they're losing their job and they're failing out of school and they're not eating and they're this and they're that for a long period of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we recently interviewed Jamie Madigan and we talked about this issue of like coping and that how games can actually be helpful mm-hmm. uh, to cope with anxiety and like games generally make people feel good about themselves, mm-hmm. which can be really healthy for kids at times in, in, you know, in moderation. Um, but we were talking about how, you know, Chris and I were talking about how in Christian circles, that's like sometimes amongst some like, conservative Christians, that's like a a sinful thing or something, you know, like, like, how could you, you, you don't, co- you shouldn't use a, a, a fantasy video game where you're doing fantastical things, maybe even violent things to like, feel better about yourself like that. You know what I mean? Like, they feel like that's almost like idolatrous or something or, or, or whatever. Um, I'd be curious if you've run into that kind of like, like, cause I, I mean, I think like we should in general as human beings be glad that our kids are connecting with something that makes them feel better about mm-hmm. themselves. Like, like that seems like a good thing to me.
2: Yeah. personally, I mean, but- I'm a fan of using the tools that you have at hand, and if video games, and they, if you, again, if you look at the research, they are great tools for giving children opportunities to lead groups that you normally wouldn't get to, to meet people all over the world that you normally wouldn't meet. I mean, stranger danger, of course, but, you know, okay. <laughs> um, I have not come across that. Um, I have talked a little bit before about maybe the moral decision making in terms of how that relates to like spirituality and religion in playing games. But in terms Mm -hmm. of like it being a tool itself, I am very much a fan of you use what you have and you use what works. And if that's something that's having a positive impact in your life, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I think maybe it's like tied to this fear that like, if you use games to cope with anxiety and stuff, then like um, you won't be able to, I think there's like this fear that you won't be able to function responsibly in the real world or something like the site. You know what I
2: mean? Right. Well, I mean, there's nothing to suggest that that's true that I've seen. Yeah.
1: Well, there you go. We have the answer then. There you go.
2: roasted. (laughs) No. Yeah.
1: One thing that I do want to say about the subject of addiction is that in your book you give um, I think seven criteria mm-hmm. for addiction, and I think you mentioned that the you have, you have to observe these things over a period of what is it, like six months. Is I think it's saying? six months, yeah. Yeah, and so, um, but you also said in the book, like this doesn't mean that you just like sit on your hands and do nothing uh, while during those six months, if you have kids or something, right? Like if you're seeing signs of an unhealthy relationship Mm -hmm. with your kids, like, Hey, you're a parent, like go love them and parent them and set some boundaries and, and, and ask questions and help them engage more responsibly.
2: Exactly. And and by asking questions, as we talked about earlier with the question um, from, the, from the producer, um, sit with them, talk with them, look at the game. Hey, why do you like playing this game so much? Oh, because I get to, you know, hang out with my friends, you know, or I get to feel what it's like to, you know lead a group to success and at school or at work, I don't get that opportunity. Like you don't know what yeah. outlet the games, what it's feeling. It's not just from the outside in, oh, he's running around Vice City. I'm aging myself. I'm sorry. I don't- Vice
1: <laughs> City. Yeah. People still, people still talk about that game. I think. Yeah, deep cuts.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Vice City shooting people that might not be like what they're getting out of it from playing it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's important for sure.
2: I need new references. Vice well, City. Oh my goodness! <laughs>
1: <clears throat> Red Dead Redemption Two. Running around Valentine. There,
2: yeah. you.
0: there
1: we go. There we go. Um, so we talked a little bit about addiction. I think that that I think that's really helpful. What you said. Um, let's talk a little bit about violence because it has come back up. In yeah. fact, um, I just pulled up this article I came across a few weeks ago. Uh, here's the headline. This is from the USA Today. Um, Can't wait. From USA Today, it says study confirms link between violent video games and physical aggression. Um, nope, and I, I, <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna busted. say you want to just like like help us out here.
2: Uh, uh, no, no. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I think this is referring to like a, a, a you, you may have looked at this, but a, a meta analysis mm-hmm. of several studies of like twenty four studies, right? <sighs> yes. Okay. So, Have you looked at this at this study before uh, recently? Yes.
2: So the studies okay. that find links between video games and aggression, they are 99% conducted in a lab where you bring a person in, you take a measure of aggression, and, a, and it could be anything. A very common one is, I mentioned it in the book, the word completion task, where you see like K-I blank, blank, and okay, I go in there and I put K-I-S-S, okay, kiss. Then I play 15 minutes of some kind of violent game. And then I take the same- By city. By city. We play a little deeper. <laughs> um, and then I see the same measure. And now instead of putting kiss, I put kill, right? And then mm-hmm. that's flagged as, oh, that's an increase in aggression. So these studies that do that, And do find that, okay, before and after play, I say kill instead of kiss. And they calculate their results and they say, okay, there's a slight increase in aggression. And then they do that 20 more times and they publish 20 more papers about it. And then they do a meta-analysis about it and they say, see, look. But if you look at the magnitude of these effects, they are very small. They're significant, but they're not substantial, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And there's also no link between finding this in a laboratory and how people in engage with other people in the real world um patrick markey and chris ferguson published a book i think this year or last year called moral combat which is fantastic. yeah so this yeah you should definitely get it it's so good um and focuses specifically on looking at aggression you know school shooters play violent play video games generally three times less. When people play video games, violence generally decreases. The vast majority of scientists do not agree that games are a risk for aggression or violence. Now, these don't make headlines because they're not so, you know, I don't know, they don't make headlines. They don't make news. They're boring (laughs) science stuff, right? Um, But but that's the truth. That's the truth.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um, I read that... uh... Dr. Markey, who you mentioned earlier, um, he said less than one percent of the variance in aggression is explained by exposure to video games to video game violence. There you go. So, so it's like, you know, we're so the headline. I guess someone could play devil's advocate and be like, well, the headline's technically true. Yes, it, <laughs> right, but ew. but what are they, what <laughs> kind of figure are we actually looking at? Whereas less than one percent takes your you know it takes us down from DefCon Five right down right. to like DefCon I don't know I'm not gonna give a figure but much lower Defcon right anymore? no I don't think people see DefCon much anymore but I remember it from uh, <laughs> what was that movie the uh, War Games did you
0: Oh uh, yeah yeah that's what I always yeah, think speaking about speaking of video games yeah
1: it's a, that's a video game movie deep cut yeah I was
2: about to say we're really in the deep cuts now yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, But yeah, you're right. It is technically true. But again, it's like what, even if it is, even if people thought that less than 1% is an important variable, which, you know, I would argue is not really, um, that it's again in the laboratory and not in the real world setting. So what does it really mean? Like, even if we want to take that 1% as something valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's really important distinction because I'm, I'm a layman. I don't think about that, mm-hmm. but I think no. you just saying that, like, "Hey, this just happened in a lab." Like, right there, there can be value in that, surely, but we still have to take it with a grain of salt. I think that's really important.
2: Yeah, and and if you the studies that have found it to uh, Chris Ferguson, and I think possibly he published this with Malta Elson. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but Chris Ferguson definitely published an article. Looking at these studies, and when you consider other psychosocial variables, um, previous exposure to violence, um, their frustration tolerance, personality factors, this, that, and the other thing, the effect of media completely disappears. That 1%, even that 1% disappears. Mm -hmm. So all these Mm -hmm. other factors are far more influential in determining if someone is going to be aggressive or violent in an actual world setting than if I played the new Red Dead Redemption. There we go. Our references are getting better. (laughs) (laughs)
1: um and so i do want to clarify though for our listeners too is that like what we're not saying too we're not saying necessarily that your kid should go out and play no red dead redemption 2 like um I, i would be curious what you would say like some advice for parents on with regard to violence like um No, it's probably not going to, to make your kid like, um, hyper aggressive and they're not going to go to school and punch other kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but what, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what advice do you give parents when you, when you talk about this issue? Um,
2: I very much am a fan of children not accessing what I would call inappropriate content. So Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I'm sure that I forgot your producer's name, but he works at GameStop. I'm sure he's seen this where parents go in and they're buying games rated 18 and older for eight year olds Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah don't do that that's my my advice <laughs> read the packaging and it's not just the age because there are age ratings on all of the games no matter where in the world you are listening to this mm-hmm. podcast. they're on there but there's also content placards that tell you why it got that rating is it violent right. does it have suggestive themes is it because right. you can be online you look at all this stuff and then you determine mm-hmm. if it's appropriate for my eight-year-old you know my daughter she's four she plays a lot of like PBS games. But, you know, Mm. if she wants to be like, Hey mom, I want to play Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) I'm back with that. But you know, no, you're four, right? That's not appropriate. You're not going to go do that. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's more resources today than ever before, really on that subject. Mm -hmm. Like you can go to ESRB. Mm -hmm. That's our, our rating system here in the States. Peggy actually, I think has even more detail. That's the UK. Mm -hmm. But we get all the same games. So if you want a more detailed, um, list of what's going on in games. Go to Peggy's website. Yep. Um, you know, and and also like a one of my we have a guy who writes for Love Nerd occasionally. His name's Andy Robertson. Do you know him by
2: chance? Mm-mm, I do not.
1: He does a bunch of he does like this family gamer TV channel on YouTube mm-hmm. where he does reviews for parents and stuff. Nice. Um, and he's got a whole like Patreon thing. He, he works really hard to like inform parents in like a helpful way. You know, um and not, not in alarmist way. Um, and, uh, so anyway, one of the things he always tells people is like, Hey, go, go watch some let's plays, like Mm -hmm. get on YouTube or Twitch. Like you want to see what's in this game. You can actually watch a few minutes of somebody playing it. And then, you know, if you turn on a stream of like, I don't know, Bioshock infinite and people are, Jabbing saws into people's skulls, mm-hmm. then you know,
2: hey, that's not like,
0: <laughs> you know, that's not what I
2: want. My you may want to do. play
0: it with your four year
2: old. You're so right. Twitch is a great, great untapped resource. You know, when Fortnite yeah. has been mm-hmm. real popular, I did a couple interviews about it. You know, I don't have time to play Fortnite. I watched mm-hmm. it on Twitch, a lot of it, and it was very informative. It was like I was playing, it was great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're like, hey, now I'm an expert yeah. on Fortnite. Yeah. um no that's great um so so yeah so read 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 the labels um does it i'm curious like does it bother you that like the overabundance i feel like people are talking about this less than they used to but for a while even amongst like video game critics there was a talk about how like there's just an overabundance of violent games like that's the primary verb in a lot of like violence is the primary action you take in a lot of games does that bother you do you wish games were more diverse on that subject um,
2: i i would love to see i'm a numbers gal i would love to see the numbers on that if that's necessarily true i know a lot of the ones that come from big studios right triple a studios um right. are games red dead redemption right that's a big game right now mm-hmm. um but there are plenty plenty of games that don't have i mean look at the Sims, right? The Sims has been going on yeah. for decades now. Every, every mm-hmm. still have expansions, um, so I don't think that games, the big budget ones, do tend to. But that's the same for movies. I bet it's the same trend for movies. You know, the yeah. Batman oh, movies, thousand you know, percent. Every, yeah. So yeah,
0: me and yeah. Uh, speaking of that, my wife and I were looking through Netflix last night. You know, the dreaded find a new show oh, to watch yeah. on Netflix. And we're just kind of in this mode of, like, we've just watched a bunch of, like, really heavy, you know, TV, MA, Mm -hmm. violent stuff. And we're just kind of like, we just want something lighthearted. But, like, you cannot find it. (laughs) I mean, you just go through there and, like, everything is just this heavy, gritty, dark, you know, just, well.
2: Well, maybe it just reflects the... The times. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I
2: think
1: there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah.
2: Sad. Yeah. Sadly. Yep. Um, well, that took a turn. Sorry. Well, Jeff wants <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think that there's, like, uh, there is probably a, a, a bent in that direction, but it is it, uh, not probably. It seems like there probably, it seems pretty clear that there is an overabundance of that. But at the same time, I I appreciate what you said because, you know, a lot of people's interaction with video games is they play some puzzle games on their phone. Like those people are gamers and those games are actually super popular. Yeah. It's just that we think that like gamers are so territorial. Sometimes I think we assume that like red dead redemption and call of duty. And that's like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's video gaming. Mm -hmm. But, um, but you know, uh, I'm trying to think like the room or, um, Oh gosh. What was that one? The really like beautiful meditative kind of, uh, journey. Uh, no. Oh, well yeah, that's a great game too, yeah. but I'm thinking the mobile one where Monument Valley, that's what mm-hmm. I was trying to think of. Oh yeah. yeah. Like those games are massively popular. People yeah.
2: love those. games. Yeah. There's and that's there's something for everyone. There is. I mean, yeah. it, again, maybe it just makes the headlines, you know, like call of duty. Yeah. Oh no. What is this horrible game that just came out? Um, yeah, I haven't played the new Spider-Man. It's probably violent, but I heard that game was really good, too.
1: It's violent, but you can't kill people. Oh, see?
2: So there's, there's at least that. Spider-Man,
1: like, right before like someone hits... Like, if you knock someone off a building, right before they hit the... I haven't actually played it, but we somebody wrote an article about <laughs> this for our site. Um, like, right before they hit the pavement, you know, Spider-Man will shoot a web and, like, save them. Oh, so, okay. the police come get them. Uh, so, he's, like... Good guy, Spider-Man. Yeah.
0: MVP.
1: Doesn't believe in the death penalty. <laughs> you know, he's got, he's got some... To go. So, yeah. Um, well, we've talked for almost an hour. Gosh. And we usually like to get, uh, get a little bit personal, hear your story, hear the story of our guests. So, um, we have a little bit of time here to do that. Where, where'd you grow up?
2: I grew up in a small, small town in Texas, in North Texas. It's called Keller. Okay, where? How many people? live Keller. Yes, it's bigger now. Okay, now it's got a movie theater. When I was there, when McDonald's Ooh. came, that was a thing. That was an event. Yeah, it was a small town. So, like, is that north of
1: Dallas? Like when you it, when you say North
2: Texas? Yeah, it's closer to Fort Worth. It's like okay. east of Fort Worth. Yeah.
1: Okay. I grew up in Amarillo, oh, which is which I feel like is like technically North Texas.
2: <laughs> I mean, I guess it is,
1: but nobody by Texas geography speak.
2: Yeah, that's not. It's North.
1: technically it's West Texas. Yeah. That's what everybody in Texas. Is. No, that's West Texas, <laughs> and Dallas that
2: area that's North Texas. Texas. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. But anyway,
2: that's so. Funny.
1: So you grew up there. Uh, what was what was your upbringing like? What did your parents do?
2: My dad worked for IBM. Um, for like ever, he works there when they had the computers that took up the whole room with like the punch card, old school. Um, my mom stayed at home. She, uh, later became a massage therapist, which was good for me. And, Mm. but when I was a child, she was home with us and she worked part-time at a church. I did grow up in the church in Texas.
1: Okay. So, um, is that where you, from your dad working for IBM and stuff, is that where you got your love of like video games and technology and stuff? Uh, no,
2: I think it more came from my brother. I have an older brother. He's two years older than me. Um, but my parents did buy us a Nintendo. So, when Nintendo came out, like we, I guess my dad, it was his love of technology that got him to buy us a Nintendo, which I guess he later <laughs> regretted since he thought that it was a waste of time. Um, but my brother was always the one who like would bring the new games he introduced me to final fantasy which is now my favorite franchise of all time he's the one yeah right um introduced me to world of warcraft for better or for worse um so i guess i'll give him the credit now he's gonna have to definitely listen so he can see that i'm singing
0: (laughs) so that's interesting to me that your dad worked for ibm being nerdy into that stuff Mm -hmm. but was not I feel like that's a little uncommon, I
2: guess. Yeah, I mean, it it probably
0: is. Yeah, it probably,
2: yeah, probably.
1: Maybe some of that generational stuff, too. Like, I feel, like, your dad, I assume, would probably be, like, a baby boomer. Is that right?
2: My dad, oh, no, my dad was older, so maybe that's why. He was the generation before. Okay. I don't know what they're called, but yeah.
1: Well, baby boomers and the generation before, like, they're all kind of, I think, all kind of, like, a little bit skeptical mm-hmm. of new new hobbies.
2: Maybe so it's like,
1: you know what I mean? I don't know.
2: And I think me, he's like I work with it all day. I don't want to. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: So your mom worked in a church. What kind of church did she work in?
2: Uh, a Lutheran church. She worked in the office. Okay. Um it's it was a church down the road from our house and we grew up there. Like doing
1: administration and stuff. Yeah, yep. Okay. Cool. So you guys went you grew up Lutheran then?
2: I did. My yes, we did. In the same church, you, our whole childhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you like the church? Were you into it? Was it? I mean, I, as a kid, you know, you're like, oh, it's boring. I mean, yes. I, I did like Vacation Bible School. We did that every year, and then um, I enjoyed that. And the church, like knowing now, I guess it's very traditional. You know, like mm-hmm. the women couldn't you know, hold positions of power and um right. everyone wore a suit and we sing like the old like the oh no no those hymns. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's funny because when I go to church, like now that's what I prefer. My mom's like, What's wrong with you? I'm like, I guess it's cause that's what I grew up in and it's so it's a almost like morose, you know, the oh, no, the hymns aren't
1: <laughs> it feels like comfortable to even now. It is, yeah. Or, yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm I
1: sorry. can see that. <laughs> I get annoyed these days by like see I live in Nashville, so it's like um, Bible belts mm-hmm. for sure, yeah, like area, and there's tons of churches, and uh, so when we moved here, we we're like visiting churches in every church here because it's Nashville, Music City, yeah. right? It's trying to have this like super cool <laughs> worship, like rock band, right, kind of thing, and we're kind of like, yeah, I would just, can we just like sing some hymns, see, awkwardly, awkwardly, you know, <laughs> <laughs> awkwardly,
2: that's important, it has to be awkwardly. <laughs> Yeah. That's funny.
1: Um, so so you do you you still go to church then?
2: I do not go to church. Okay. I consider myself religious, um, but I am not actively going to church. I married someone who's not religious, so That's, you know, that's a thing.
1: So that was kind of like a compromise or you just kind of felt, you felt fine, kind of just just kind of phased out of your life?
2: Um, Oh, we are getting personal. No, I mean, it's fine. Uh, It was a compromise in the sense that, I mean, he is my high school sweetheart. So I've known him for ages. And I said, look, you know, I'm religious. Our children will be baptized. I will probably Start taking our children to church at some point. You don't have to participate, and that's fine. And that was the compromise. <laughs> and he's like, there you go. I don't have I was like, I'm just telling you. I know, you're not going to find me on it. It's just you know yeah. the thing.
0: Yeah, that sounds like the compromises my wife and I have. <laughs>
2: I but she tells you what to do, and you say okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the yeah. way it works. That's a good marriage. That's a good marriage. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah it's funny that you say it's we ask these kind of questions so often i forget that they're personal so i appreciate you being like oh we're getting personal i have to remind myself that these are the kind of personal yeah, questions This one, but uh no that's cool um so what would do your like so it, you said your the church you grew up in was kind of like traditional kind of conservative mm-hmm. so what do people in that space like your parent are your parents still around yes they are Okay. What do they think about like the work that
2: you do? It's a funny joke. Okay. It's not a joke. It's actually happened. Uh, When I graduated, my brother's a lawyer. Uh, My dad, you know, worked at IBM, but he's also um, ex Marine. So my brother's a lawyer. He's in the air force. So, you know, golden boy when i graduated i was like dad you have a doctor and a lawyer aren't you so proud and he goes you're not a real doctor i was like oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. why um so wow. we know that where he stands <laughs> did he mean like
1: like you're not a medical like, doctor. Uh, a medical yeah, yeah yeah
2: but still i mean i think he thought it was funny but it wasn't it wasn't that funny. <laughs> um, yeah. My mom's. Very- There's a
1: lot of things dads think are funny that are not. Dad jokes.
2: They're they're. Um, yeah.
1: But that's like a.
2: That's a. I know. That one's Yeah, but you know, my mom is very proud. She reads all my books, even though I mean, the parents' guide. She understood. She actually read my dissertation, or at least she says she did. Ooh. I know. So that's love. That's she's got to be proud to do that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's big. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's not many people's dissertations I would read.
2: I don't even want to read my own and I wrote it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So does your dad come around a little bit? Like, does he see the, see the value in what, what you're doing?
2: Uh I don't know. I think he thinks it's cool that I have a PhD. He does I don't think he really understands it because he has like zero exposure to video games and my dad like I mentioned is older, he's 77. Yeah. So I mean he's yeah. like yeah, those old light box thing, you know, I don't think he knows what I do. Right. But I mean.
0: Yeah. So, I I don't know if you ever think of this cuz I I'm in a very similar situation with my parents and like their understanding Mm -hmm. of what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you ever think like, how do how does your dad describe what you do to people?
2: I imagine it's, she has a PhD in psychology and does something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I really don't think he,
0: I don't. I have no idea how my parents would explain what I do. Cause like also my parents aren't, Aren't like Christian, mm-hmm. and so that part is already weird for them, right? And then add on top of that, that I'm like, you know, doing this non profit gaming kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it's just like, I they probably just don't even talk about me, they just probably give it.
2: They're like, he talks to Maybe. people,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, I just think about that. We can commiserate. My dad's also a retired, Marine, ah, so, so you get, get it, that. yep. Sorry, Drew. We alienated you.
1: <laughs> oh no, you're good. My daughter came in the room, and I had to mute the mic for a second. <laughs> so parenting, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. my parents. Just to give my perspective, my parents. Uh, they, I think they actually do know what I do <laughs> in the space. They, they, they've been pretty cool. My dad probably knows less about it than my mom does. Um, mm. I do remember, like one time, my mom reading a couple articles that I wrote. Like she read something I wrote about. Um, about uh bioshock infinite oh wow and then so she, then she wanted to watch me play oh it. wow and so then i
0: so oh i remember and, you talking about it yeah,
1: i <laughs> sat <said laughs> down to let her watch me play it she was like oh my gosh this is
2: awful because
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, it is it is pretty like graphic
2: it is right like
1: if you live in that space you think it's, it's fine yeah and, and you're used know. to it but but yeah it is pretty like gruesome if you're just watching i think it's worse if you're watching than if you're playing because if you're playing. Then it's like, um, you know, why you're doing. You're just doing it to like progress to the next level, mm-hmm. or to, or to get past this this area, or to get a power up, or whatever. You're not actually thinking, like, about the awfulness of it. Whereas the person watching is like, oh my gosh, you just stuck <laughs> a yeah. hook in that guy's skull. It's <laughs>
0: uh, so, Just a you know, just a normal day at the there office. You go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: but uh but hey uh, we're we kind of out of time here we told you now we're going want to honor that um but this has been this has been awesome talking to you, really enjoyed it, yeah,
2: me too, mm-hmm. thanks for having me,
1: yeah, we uh, mentioned this also to um to Jamie Madigan, who we had on a bit ago, and eventually, I think I'd like to do like a round table discussion mm-hmm. on addiction and uh, on video game addiction and kind of what responsible engagement of games looks like, yeah. um, especially well, we like when you the- about
0: like a, an escapism kind of thing. Cause I think that,
1: Oh yeah, that's that right. Word
0: always has like really negative connotations. And so I'm really curious to kind of talk about that and hear both sides of mm-hmm. it. Like, when is that, a, when is that good? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, we talked a little bit about that during this mm-hmm. show, but I think yeah. there's a lot more to be talked about with that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think Christians are sometimes especially are like a little bit afraid of the idea of escapism. Like something bad's going to happen if you escape too much or you're not going to be, you're not going to engage the real world responsibly if you're escaping into video games too much. Right. So anyway, all that to say, like those would be cool topics to have some smart people like you and Jamie Madigan on to talk about. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll like put together some kind of round table and,
0: um, and he said you guys were BFFs. We're so. friends. I
2: can't. Yeah, we are. I can't believe he doesn't know how to pronounce my last name. But other than that,
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> ew. I
1: said that. I said that earlier. I don't think we were recording when I said that. Okay. But it's a joke. I just said I called you. I called you Rachel Coward, yeah. and then you corrected me to Coward, which is the correct pronunciation. And I just said I just mentioned that Jamie didn't correct me when I when I said it that way. So. I right.
0: wow.
2: love him. It's fine. We go. He's the
0: worst. Actually, <laughs> we are going to rescind the
2: invite. No, no, no.
1: Well, it was really informative talking to you. I would uh, highly recommend people go check out a parent's guide to video games, as well as the video game debate, which you helped edit. Um, Anything else you would point to the resources that uh, you might want to let people know about?
2: Um, if you are really interested in learning more about the link specifically with aggression, I would definitely check out uh, moral combat by Chris Ferguson and Patrick Markey.
0: It's such a cool title. It is.
2: And it's a really, it's a really good read and it's easy to read. Anyone can pick it up. You don't need to be a, a scientist. You don't have to have a PhD to understand. It. Nice. Yep.
1: Yeah. Cool. And then you can be found online where? I can
2: at um, rcowert.com. So it's R-K-O-W-E-R-T.com. Um, everything is there.
1: Great. And are you active on Twitter? Would you want to mention that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter.
2: I'm at Dr. Coert um, and Facebook and all the places that you find all the people. All the social media. It's for Dr. Rachel Coert. You'll find me.
1: Great. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I want to mention a few things to our listeners. Be sure to go check out our website, lovethynerd.com. We have a whole podcast network. There's free play, which gets into all kinds of aspects of nerddom um, and is super fun to listen to. They're a lot less serious than we are. It's a really funny podcast. Go check that one out. Uh, Also, we have a new comic podcast called The Pull List. So, um, yeah, Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network is growing, which is super exciting. Those guys do a great job of kind of, Digging into the meaning and value of comics in a way that I don't think anyone else is really doing. So, um, go check that one out. Uh, what else, Chris? Give us money. Um, we need your support. <laughs> uh, if well, you there's support- got to be a
0: better way for us to say that. I but know. We'll get I mean, it. You know,
1: just the reality is, we put a lot of work into this podcast and to love thy nerd, and these yeah. things don't pay for themselves. That's just the reality. Um, if you believe in what we're doing, um, we just yeah we'd love it if you'd
0: help us, us do it do it with yeah. us
1: yeah um, and uh, yeah that's it for us thanks so much for listening go rate and review our podcast on iTunes tweet about it uh, Facebook about it put it on Instagram put it on Snapchat what else is there
0: that's that's quite enough
1: that's it. okay Periscope nobody does that anymore but if you do really <laughs> I've never heard of that it was like a video thing that was kind of a big deal for a while like a live right. video thing anyway good talk yep good talk rachel thank you so much doctor thanks dr. rachel coward, we appreciate it coward, doctor i almost said coward again oh dr coach <laughs> thank you <laughs> i reverted
0: she's never coming back